Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on E, Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along special guest in studio none other than Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. Not to worry that Madrasa is going to go running up up till 4 o'clock inshallah and not 3.30 as for yesterday. However for those of you who sent through your questions with regards to our second segment being I am a Muslim what is expected of me hopefully today inshallah we'll definitely tackle that but furthermore I'm going to be greeting my sheikh in studio sheikh assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh how are you this afternoon sheikh alhamdulillah shukran jazakallah khairan how's yourself and yes um alhamdulillah sheikh do know that you can send through your questions to 072-238-0712 alternatively sms to 47913 we jump started right into our first topic being knowing my lord and sheikh is going to be continuing with sheikh stopped yesterday and that was with regards to nabi ayu alayhi salam sheikh tafadol شكرا جزاك الخير بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وحده والصلاه والسلام على من لا نبي بعد رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي اللهم علمنا بما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وارزقنا علما يا ذا الجلال والاكرام السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته الحمد لله all our listeners out there can we uh, officially start with our dua if you don't mind A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahmanir Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka Na'budu Wa Iyaka Nasta'een Ihdina Sirat Al-Mustaqeem Sirat Al-Lazina An'amta Alayhim غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم اجعلنا من الذين يستمعون القول فيتبعون أحسنا اللهم أرنا الحق حقا وارزقنا اتباعه وأرنا الباطل باطلا وارزقنا اجتنابه ولا تجعله ملتبسا علينا فنضل يا رب العالمين ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا فإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا أذاب النار وأدخلنا الجنة مع الأبرار يا عزيز يا غفار يا رب العالمين إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وأصحابه وبارك وسلم سبحانك سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله Yes, listeners, we are now in the segment called Knowing My Lord. Yesterday, we ended off with a, with a portion of Knowing My Lord on the life, of the life issues that happened to Nabi Yaqub. I mean, Nabi Ayyub. Sorry for that one. And we've shown you the qualities of Nabi Ayyub that the man had. 
besides the fact that Allah has given him riches, has given him health, has given him wealth, has given him a big family, Allah tested him with all that. And after Allah tested him, he was prepared to be able to be totally obedient to Allah. The, the, the reason for the test did not make the man less a responsible person or a, a person who had a strong connection with Allah. Now, we, we, we indicated to you certain of the verses and allow me just to be able to take you to Surah Sa'id, Surah number 38. In Surah Sa'id, in verse 41, and Allah to this is, وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا أَيُّوبِ إِذْ نَادَى رَبَّهُ أَنِّي مَسَّنِيَ الشَّيْطَانِ بِنُصْبِ وَعَذَابِ He says, Allah says in this verse, And remember, our slave Yaqub, when he invoked his Lord, saying, Verily shaitan has touched me with distress by ruining my health and torment by ruining my wealth. So we see Allah indicates us to us that how Nabi Ayyub felt that he tried his best. And in the process of him having to find those uncomforts, having to admit to Allah and saying to Allah that the tests he was going through, remember we said to you that was after some time and after showing that he's prepared to withstand the uncomfort that there is in that life of his. And he's prepared to have sabr and persevere and patience and wait until Allah decides it. Because remember, whatever we do, brothers and sisters, whatever we do, whatever happens with us, Things doesn't happen before its time, neither after its time. But whatever time Allah has decreed, that is best in the sight of Allah, and it should be best in the sight of the person who is a slave of Allah. May Allah grant us the sabr, the perseverance that we can actually bear when Allah would give the challenges to all of us. Shukran so much. That was indeed beautifully said there by the voice of Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams in studio. We are now in our first part of the program still being knowing my Lord and Sheikh will be continuing inshallah. You can send through any questions in which you have for Sheikh in relation to what Sheikh is being speaking about now. Sheikh Tafatul. Shukran Jazakallah Just before the break, um, we were busy speaking on what Allah has done to Nabi Ayyub. And we went into Surah Sa'id, looking at verse number 41, as to what Allah says there. And then Allah mentions in verse 42, how Allah granted him a solution for what Allah showed Nabi Lut. Allah could have given Nabi Lut freedom from the challenges already long ago. Or Allah could have made very easy for him, but nay, Allah has preferred to let Nabi Lut meet with the challenges so that the Ummah of the Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when they read the message of how Allah would have tested Nabi Ayyub, then they could take the heed to that and say, Subhanak, Allah grant us to have sabr to the extent of that Nabi and grant us to develop in persevering and understanding that we cannot expect 
to get solutions to our problems if we cannot embrace the problem and by embracing the problem we mean we admit that this is a lot thing on us we accept it and we persevere and said buyer now that is what we see has happened in the life of Nabi Ayyub. And Allah wants us to understand that the reason for us giving to you the message of Nabi Ayyub is so that you can recognize and ask yourself the question, are you and I prepared to persevere, to have the necessary sabr, so to bear Yes, we've said this over and over. We cannot compare ourselves as Ambiya. There are people who had a lot of patience, a great amount of perseverance. And irrespective of the extent of the test, Allah showed us all the time they became successful in the processes. But Allah does this simply because Allah wants us to be successful. Allah wants us to reach the level of success when Allah tests us. So you and I might never come to the level of Nabi Ayyub or any of the Anbiya, but Allah it doesn't mean because we cannot, we should not take the, the possibility to be able to see what is our potential, how far can we go, because we can have the attitude of Ne'ekakani, I can't. That is an attitude, and it's a very uncomfortable, corruptive, destructive attitude. It's an attitude that brings us down. It's an attitude where you do not find the ability to want to work towards further, seeing under the most uncomfortable circumstances, see, can I bear slightly more? Can I have, can I do more? Can I, can I bear for the sake of Allah? For Allah's sake, for nobody else. Allah says in the Holy Quran, Inma hisab. Those people that can actually have extensive amount and bear and bear and bear with a lot of sabr, extensive amount of perseverance, them Allah grants the reward. Yawmal qiyamah, there's no end to it. It is, the, the, there's no end to the reward of sabr. It is perpetuating. It will be extensive. So if you bear Patiently, did buy a sober head. And allow me just to remind us again with no disrespect, not undermining anybody. Having sober is not wishing it to get away, to be done, get it all over. Having sober is asking Allah, grant me excessive sober. Oh Allah, tell the pain is ongemakkelijk. The sware iets wat ik deer gaan is baie ongemakkelijk, oh Allah. Die toetsen wat u op my sit, oh Allah, tell so uncomfortable. Ek aanvaard, oh Allah. My vraag vir u, sing baie, baie sober in my hart. Dat ek kan baie soberheid vir u. That I can be and that I can understand whatever is the thesis, I must be able to do it for your sake. And if you do that for the sake of Allah, and you bear, and you, you, you just said it is totally uncomfortable, it is extremely uncomfortable for you and me, Allah did say, it's never so uncomfortable that you don't, that we haven't prepared you accept it so yes Allah says we have prepared you for it you have the capacity to be you can you can you definitely can you just must want to you must just say by yourself I want to be it I must be it I'm gonna be it for Allah's sake it is uncomfortable I'm gonna be it for Allah's sake right the pain
pain is uncomfortable the the severity of the challenge is uncomfortable the things that happens to you and me is uncomfortable but Allah says we have prepared you for this we have truly prepared it لا يكلف الله نفسا إلا وسعها if we if we put a challenge on you we know you can and we know that you have the capacity if only you want to for Allah's sake say I'm gonna pay this for Allah's sake and beg to Allah oh Allah please Allah I don't know I don't have the capacity of understanding the extent of sabr but I beg you please give me extensive for my heart and my mind and my body and my soul with extensive amount of perseverance for your sake and that's what Allah will try to be able to show us what Allah has done with people all the time. And we've seen that the extent of Nabi Ayyub's situation is so extensive, so uncomfortable, that you and I can in no way compare ourselves with all our problems to that of Nabi Ayyub. Then Allah says to Nabi Ayyub, Urkud berijalika adha muhtasalun baridu wa sharab. Allah said to Nabi Ayyub, strike your foot onto the ground. And when you strike your foot onto the ground, you will notice a spring comes forth of water that will be reason for you to bathe yourself in. It will be cool, calm waters and reason for you to drink. As when you use it to wash your body, it will remove all the pains, it will remove the sicknesses, you will be able to get your health back, and it's also a means for you to use to drink this water as a means to cure your ailments and sickness in your body. And so when Allah gave that to Nabi Lut, and he used to wash his body, he found that his body became healthy, mashallah, alhamdulillah. As we know, it didn't happen for a once-off once moment. Like Allah gives to all when you tested you, He grants us a position where nothing in this world will be the split second immediately. And we mustn't because in the world that we are living today, the medical world or the pharmaceutical world almost want us to have a yaqeen and tawakkul so strong on medication to the extent was very medication marking with a once-off moment but that is not how Allah created the universe that's not the natural format it, your sickness didn't come bang immediately onto you, it developed slowly. Your challenge didn't happen at a, at a speaker. Things normally develop to that. And similarly, Allah grants it a solution to those things in a gradual process so that you and I can bear and plea and cry and call and be intimate and related to Allah. Now let's listen to Allah's words in the other places in the Quran. Allah says, when you want help, when you truly need help, when you truly want help, you will help from Allah, and you will not Allah's help for your security, if you can reach to that extent. Allah says, then seek that help, that seek that help, that assistance, the cure, seek that by sabr. By excessive sabr, by extensive sabr, was salah. And by the fact that you turn to Allah in ibadah, in that sick moments, in that uncomfortable moments, and when the 
things become so unbearable and you cannot no more then you take wudu then you can stand on your musallam and then you can plea and call to Allah at that those moments Ya Rabbi, may Allah open the path for all of us Allah shows us in the Quran about Nabi Ayyub Allah says he at, at that moment when it was so unbearable he turned to Allah all the time he all the time turned to Allah and all the time he found reason to blame himself and he says oh Allah I beg you pardon me for any error or mistake or fault if that is what I've done he, want, he rather wanted to look at himself being the reason for what has happened to him he didn't blame anybody else he didn't just take it as Allah has given it to him. He almost wanted to feel, feel and thus Allah say, Innahu Awwab is a person who turned to Allah all the time. All the time he was turning to Allah and being of Allah for Allah's help and assistance and taking, making the difficulties, relieving him of whatever difficulties or uncomfort, whatever challenges that wasn't worthy for him. Allah said to us, Allah gave him his health and strength back. And then after giving him his health and strength back, Allah gave him back his family. Subhanak la hawla wa quwwata illa billah. And Allah, when Allah says, Allah says, Allah gave him back his family. Allah did not take his family granted back to him. Allah granted him to be able to have more children. To be able to rear another family. And as much as he had, Allah gave him again so much of children, so much of a family that granted him contentment and ease. What does it say to you and me? That when Allah, the one who gives, when Allah takes, he's got the absolute right to do that. And when he take, if you and I can show perseverance, if you and I can bear the uncomfort, if you and I can recognize it is painful, it's not all that easy, it, it, it hurts, yes, especially if it's dear ones and near ones, it affects the heart, it affects the body, yes it does, and if it does, if we can bear and ask and beg Allah to guide us and to be on the path of perseverance and sabr for what Allah can, and trust Allah can choose to give and to take then Allah might replace whatever Allah has taken to things that is better now better doesn't mean what you and I know better is that which comes from Allah because you and I don't know what would, be, would have been the reason and the cause Allah have taken the child away first <coughs> sorry for that one or why Allah has tested you and me with our parents? You and I would not understand. But what is better is what we do not know either. And Allah shows us in the Holy Quran in various ways that if Allah replaces things, it's only the best for the believers. May Allah grant us to be of those true believers who when Allah takes from us, Allah replaces what is best for us or what's even better than what we imagine that has been good. May Allah open the path. And so Allah shows what has happened. Now in the process, remember we said to you what happened to Nabi uh, Ayyub's wife where she had a uh, feeling that uh, Allah's sort of giving the load on Nabi uh, Ayyub and she uh, presented this to Nabi Ayyub isn't it right shouldn't your Lord have given you the right to and 
she, she said words that hurt Nabi Ayyub so uncomfortably that to the extent that Nabi Ayyub felt that she did not she did not show the sense of a perseverance and sabr and appreciation and thanks to Allah for the fact that Allah has given so much of health, so much of wealth, so much of a family prior for a very, very short time in reality was the test he says. And he asked his wife, should we then not have perseverance? Moet ons dan nie dankbarig wees met Allah en sabreed wanneer Allah vir sy teitje net moet toetsie? And when that happened, and he felt so uncomfortable, he made an oath, he made a promise in his heart that he is going to punish his wife for the fact that she did not show appreciation to Allah. And when he made that oath that he is going to punish his wife, so Allah instructed him in the Holy Quran as to, yes, you've made the oath, fulfill the oath. Fulfill the oath. But then Allah Ta'ala showed him how the oath must be, be, be acted out. As a lesson for all of us. If you feel that your, your, your spouse has been disobedient and you feel there is a need that your spouse must be reprimanded because of that and you feel that it is fair and because he or she must be able to follow the path of Allah and his messenger and we must be able to grow and to develop in the rights of what Islam shows us and guides us to and he or she did not fulfill that and you have the right to reprimand them and if you do feel that you've made an oath to Allah for how you're going to handle them listen to the way Allah deals with the process of the oath that Nabi Ayyub did the oath that he did he he says my wife has gone to the extent to almost force me in having to be able to want to stand with shaitan to almost deny Allah the haqq and he felt so uncomfortable and he said he's going to grant her a, a spanking Hij gaat vaak pak slagen, zo zal ik zeggen. En Nabi, je denkt is wat wijf. Zo yes, Allah says you've made the oath. Stick to the oath. Don't break the oath, right? But how do you break? The, uh, stick to the oath. Instead of you taking, having to be able to hit your wife or give her a spanking with something that's going to be very, very uncomfortable, which's going to hurt her in the process, take grass, soft, gentle grass. And take that grass and use that grass and you heat that grass on her body. Grass. For it takes us understand that Allah wanted us to realize that the act must be done using something so easy that the act is done but that he needs to understand that his wife hasn't gone to the furthest extent. She just felt the uncomfort that moment when she said those words of uncomfort to him and that Nabi, Nabi Ayyub was given a good wife who supported him all the time and Allah has shown for the fact that the person has made an oath the oath can be completed but it must be completed with something soft and gentle um, uh, 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 as, as, as our forefathers say Fata hand alapi niya handuk ni Fata asagduki in slatfamani sagduk and the blow of the 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 the, the, the sagduk would can when it raak for her die moet die blow is which means very 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 gently and softly 
but you feel you have then fulfilled and carried out the responsibility. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are now heading into our second part of the program, being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And yes, Sheikh will be continuing where she stopped yesterday. And do note that you can send through your questions through to our WhatsApp number. Alternatively, you can send it through via SMS. Sheikh Tafato. Shukran, Jazakallah for that, Mananti Yasmina. Um, in yesterday's lesson, dealing with uh, I am a Muslim and what is expected of me, we dealt with the issue of under salah, we dealt with the wudu, and we were busy at the very, very end of the khuf, right? And, and I just want to capture the things that happened in the khuf with us, um, and then inshallah hope to be able to develop then from after the khuf. We, we dealt with the, the khuf, we dealt with the, the, the preparations or the conditions that there is with it, and we looked at certain things. We especially dealt with the conditions of wiping over the lady sock. And we then went to the length of the time in which he explained that. And then we went to what is to be wiped and the manner of the wiping. And I think that is where we ended. Allow me just then to go over that process. What is to be wiped and the manner of the wiping. In the words of Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's first uh, the, uh, cousin, the fourth khalifa of the Muslim ummah, he says that the portion to be wiped is the top of the khuf. And he says in a hadith, if the religion were built upon personal opinion, it would be considered more correct to wipe the bottom of the sock instead of the top of the sock. But, he says, I saw the Messenger of Allah wipe over the top of the sock. Listen very carefully. This is Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu. He represents the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. He represents those people who were there, whom Allah have chosen to be there, to observe on behalf of you and me, so that you and me can be guided onto the path of what is the truth in Islam. And he says, the human being, the you and I, would think that uh, uh, if you're going to wipe on the sock, must probably to wipe from the bottom part because it makes more sense. There is where you and I think of the word dirt and, and, and where you walk on the ground and we wipe that off or clean that or make that. He says that, nay, that was not what I saw our Nabi did. He actually wiped on top of it. So whatever has been at the bottom has been there. But the understanding of wiping on the sock in Tayammum, I'm sorry, in, in, in the Khuf, is when you actually wipe on top of the thing. And he says, whatever, uh, the, the scholar says, whatever is called that sense of wiping on top, that is what must be done. Subhanak la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. See, whatever calls the, the, the word wiping, what wipe, that is sufficient. Which means, if I take my hand, my, remember we said your hand is wet, and you, you, you shake off the excess water from the hand, so it's just lightly wet, and you rub that on top, on the top of the footpath. There is where you uh, wipe, and whatever the amount of wiping is needed, it's not a lot of wiping, just a simple form of wiping would mean that you've wiped it 
remember it is a means that Allah has granted for us to be able to use as ease for us under the circumstances, right? Um, may Allah open the path for all of us, inshallah. And so that is what Sina Ali tells us about the, the manner of wiping. And the scholars then goes further by having to say to us that the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in actual fact in wiping over anything as we described it to be it could be leather and other forms of, 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 of material they say that it is permissible to wipe over leather socks it's also permissible to wipe over woolen socks or shoes or anything that covers the the ankle that they say that the Prophet وسلم, said he made ablution or a wudu and wiped over the leather socks and sometimes over other uh, things that he also had with him. This is how the Sahabas told us about the extent of the Nabi. We're coming now to the point that. What is the things that, that invalidates the wiping? Meaning, that brings the, 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 the wiping process to an end. When and what brings it to an end? Like for instance, remember, meaning uh, uh, that, that, that new, you need to be able to then, uh, uh, that ended the wiping. They say there are three things that actually brings it to an end. First and foremost is the time period has come to an end. Meaning, if you are staying at home and you're not on travel, then only for the period of five okat can it be used. And the moment the five okat has been completed, then the wipe the period of the wiping has come to an end. Secondly, if a person finds himself in a situation where there is what we call is in a state of janaba. Now the state of Janaba can come when a man and husband and wife comes together. So they came together uh, and, and the, that state of coming together as husband and wife with intimacy then breaks the process of the the hoof. So the hoof must be removed so the body can be washed. Right? And that could also mean that the person uh, uh, has gone into the extent of um, it's not an intimacy between the husband and wife a man has a, 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 a wet dream so when he gets, gets a wet dream he now goes into the state of Janaba and when he goes into the state of Janaba that brings to the end that hoof Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. We are now in our second part of the program, being I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here you can feel free to send through your questions if you have anything relating to what Sheikh has been mentioning about. Sheikh, here is a message that came through on our WhatsApp, and it says, Can a thick cotton sock be used as a hoof if I don't have a leather sock? Shukran, Jazakallah for that one. We've just mentioned prior to this, in, in, before the break, that in actual fact, a person can use any material that in actual fact when you put your wet hand onto that material the water doesn't seep through to you to your foot so if you have a thickest material um, be it uh, uh, in any format as, as a means that covers the foot and you can put your, your wet hand on top of that and it, it keeps like for that matter the, the woolen sock 
or a thickish cotton sock or two to three cotton socks if you cannot find a woolen or you don't find a you don't have a woolen sock then all that is permissible as long as the conditions is in place and such as the conditions of the fact that you do not take it off um, the one after the other if for that matter you have done so where uh, you you need to be able to take it off then you need to just start, take the good udu again that means that the hoof has come to an end Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then also in relation to what she has been mentioning yesterday regarding the daga, if you are in the building trade, the message says, Salams, is it not when you make salah you must be clean on your clothes and yourself? That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. That when we are in salah, we bodily must be clean and our clothing must be clean. But the term clean is a misunderstanding in the present day and time. Remember, we've been bombarded with misconceptions of what is clean. The, 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 the present world wants to let us understand that the food that's landed on my body or on my the food which is clean, the food is not dirty, there's nothing dirty in the food. That is not looked upon as something that that is your reason to be make, able to make salah in it. And so when a person has got anything as to say, I'm using, I'm using uh, uh, um, uh, food because remember, food by its very nature is clean. You made the food. You, in, you, you enjoy the food. You eat the food. So the food falls on you. That's not that. That is absolutely clean. For if, if you dream that it is dirt, then what you have been eating is dirty. You ate dirt. That's not possible. Subhanak Islam wants us to understand dirt is something like, as I've said, something like urine. Urine is absolutely dirty. So whether you can see the color or whether it leaves a mark or not, it's dirty. It must be worked at. And we need to be conscious of the fact that what is dirt and how dirt can affect us. We need to be absolutely conscious of that. But we must not also allow the Western world or the Western perception of when they want to be able to create certain things, to be able to say, so dust is not dirt, mud is not dirt, that is absolutely clean. And if that touches your clothing, that does not constitute dirt and you are beauty, you are beautifully clean in the presence of Allah. But there's no sin if you want to remove that and you want to put on something more decent, more righteous, more respectable, nothing wrong. But let us not have the misconception that that is dirty. Nay, it is perfectly clean. All the dust and all the mud on your body, as long as it's not filth, as, as, as with a person, uh, uh, like you read in those things, the, the, the feces of, 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 of whatever comes out of your body, the toxins and 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 you you land it on there. If you, and if you land it on there with your body and you wash it off, then your body is clean. Not even your wudu is disturbed. Subhanak la hawla illa billah. So we need to understand how Islam wants us to understand. 
its simplicity. It's not what the world was to understand. It's what comes from Allah and His Messenger. And they show us what is clean. That is cleansing. May Allah grant us all to be able to be ready to accept that form of cleansing, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And then there's another message that came through from the same number, 5768. It says, as my husband is in the building trade. He always goes to mosque the word time and he always looks very dusty when he enters the mosque and people give him all kinds of looks. He feels very uncomfortable. I told him rather to take his salah top with. He told me it's not dirt, it's only dust. Uh, the question seems to me, does is a double standard in the question. And now when I say that, I mean that the person says he feels uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't feel uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, which, which one of the two is it? Is he really uncomfortable? Or is he not uncomfortable? I need to say to the person, if you don't mind, you don't need to feel uncomfortable. There's nothing wrong for the fact that you are dusty making salah. Remember, in our day and time, in our modern world, in the time when things, as we have so much ease, it's not like the time of the dust of the desert, where you have extensive amount of dust on you. When you travel, you are very, very dusty. There's nothing wrong in the dusty effect if you make salah. It's not been denied. You're not been... Our dust that we have in our land, in our ground, on our, uh, our lands, or our, um, uh, on our sand, in, is nothing in comparison to the sands of the desert. And in the time of the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when those people had to travel, those difficult moments or difficult times, the long travels, and they were absolutely dusty, covered in dust, and they made salah whilst they are completely dusty. There's no reason to be feeling uncomfortable. Yes, we must be able to see that we do the thing for the best of Allah if our circumstances can allow us to be able to look more decent while standing in front of Allah. Why not? But we should believe that what is clean comes from with Allah and His Rasul has shown us to that, inshallah. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. You can send through further your questions to 072-238-0712. Alternatively, send through an SMS to 47913. Our second part of the program being, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? This is your program, Adrasa, on a developing Islam in me with Sheikh Ibrahim Abrams. We are still in our second part of the program being, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And here I do urge you to send through your questions through to our WhatsApp number, 072-238-0712 Alternatively, send through an SMS to 47913 And now hand over to Sheikh to continue We Sheikh stop before the break Sheikh Tafatul Shukran Zazakrat Yasmina Yes, before the break we answered some questions uh, uh, And we were busy on the topic of what invalidates the wiping We dealt with two We said the time, if the time period has come to an end And the minimum we said the time period for the person who is at home, for him it is one uh, one day only, which means five okot. That he can probably use it as a khuf. The second one we said, when a person is in a state of janaba, junub, and that janaba could be an intimacy between husband and wife, or can be when a person has been affected by a wet dream. And if he's affected by a wet dream, a he or a she, then they need to be able to remove the hoof and have to clean themselves, wash themselves, 
and I have to be able to to uh, go into the state of wudu normally and then put on the hoof again and from there onwards carry on. That's the second one. The third one as to the things that actually in, invalidates it, which brings it to an end, is the removing of what has been wiped over from the feet, meaning if for some reason or another by your own self in the time you don't come to an end, but you've removed it from your foot, right? If one removes what has been wiped over and then negates the ablution and wears them again, one would not have put them on while the feet were still in a state of purity. Which means if 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 you were if you had you you choose to be able to remove your, your hoof, right? Now remember you can have it on your foot, you are at home. You, uh, in, in, in your normal circumstances, you have the right to be able to keep it on for a period of five okat, that, that from the moment that you use it for the first time as a hoof, for five okat, and then that constitutes the hoof completely to the end. But what happened for some reason or another, example, as we said, um, uh, you you dressed your, your, your hoof, uh, um, um, uh, uh, you took, took a shower after the door and you, you um, got ready, you went to work and you put it on as a hoof, but you use it only from the walk of Asr, right? And so you walk, then you walk from after Asr, you go through the day, you use it as a hoof uh, 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 for the walk of Asr and, and for the walk of Maghrib. And was probably for the walk of Aisha. But then you got home and you felt you wanted to go and sleep and you took off the hoof, right? So now you took it off and so that invalidates the, the process of the, the wudu that you were in because now you need to take wudu again, right? But if you've taken it off and you still were in the state of wudu, which means Example, you intended to use it as a hoof, but now you had your hoof on and you took it off. And you took it off, but your state of wudu is still, still perfect. You haven't you broken the wudu so that you could actually use it as a hoof for that. You're still in the state of wudu, but you intended it as a hoof, and you then have to remove this for some reason or another, whatever the reasons may be and you take it off, but your wudu is still intact, then there's nothing wrong. If you then take it off and put it in again, then that is nothing wrong. Your, your, your process of the hoof still carries on. The intended for the hoof is still permissible, which means, remember what we said, the third reason is if for that matter you remove whatever, but remember you haven't started to use it as a hoof because when do we? Well, when is the official starting as a hoof? Is when we actually wipe over the that thing for the sake of Allah Taala, right? Now you haven't gone to the extent of doing the wiping as yet. The foot is still clean, the body is still clean, and the state that you are in is seen still a very clean state, and that is totally permissible for you, and you don't need to be able to. Uh, uh, to, to, to feel that 
you have to to start over again. Marcia, just in relation to that, there is a question that came through in relation to the hoof and what she has been mentioning. And it says, Salam, so if you wear a leather boot, you will take it off when making Salah. So what's the stance in this, or do you make Salah with the boots? When it comes to the, the, the making Salah in the boot, if for that matter you've been using it as a hoof, the boot, then you need to make your, your Salah with the boot on. What if you've used, you have a, a, a sock under the boot, which is the thickest sock and a boot, then you use your, your you make the hoof either on the boot or on the, on the sock. You make your salah because if you want to take your socks, your, your boot off, you, you, you use the hoof as, as, as the, the, the sock and you can just put your, your, your foot again into the boot. But you could also decide to be able to make your salah in the boot itself. There's no sin for doing that way. Yes, I do understand that the process of making salah at a masjid with a with a boot that, that, that we've been walking out in the street would not be recommended because you somewhat can affect the carpets and, 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 and those things. It is not necessarily dirt as we've described the word dirt, but it's dusty and it affects the process and it, it makes it the, the, the sand and on the carpet and that is not recommended as we can understand. But Islam gives permissibility to be able to make salah if your circumstances, if you're making salah like at work, in public, or on a piece of ground, then you can stand in your boots. With that, you don't need to stand on a carpet. We standing on the carpet nowadays was just only allowing us to understand the space for where we need to make our salah in. But it doesn't necessarily, you can make salah on anything or anywhere. Right? You can even make salah on the tarmac. You can make salah on, on, on cement. You can make salah on a, a cement block, or you could make salah on, on, on even the, the, the sand or, or the grass. Absolutely permissible. The issue is here: Can you make your salah in any of these places with your sock or your hoof on, if it's a boot? Then yes, it's absolutely permissible. This not. Precisely that is what is meant here by having to use the hoof. It's quite permissible, depending on what you've used for your hoof, and you know your circumstances. So think before you take the process of the hoof, so that you can use it appropriately. Shukran so much for that, Sheikh. And you can send through your questions also relating to what Sheikh has been talking about. You heard Sheikh speaking in our segment being, I am a Muslim, what is expected of me? And that is where Sheikh is going to be leaving it up until tomorrow, inshallah. But for now, we're going on to our final segment being leadership in Islam and its progression. And yes, Sheikh will be continuing where Sheikh stopped yesterday just to give us a recap and also to refresh our memory for Sheikh Tafatul, inshallah. Shukran jazakallah khair barakallah fikum and yasmina. Thanks for that one. We are now in this segment, um, leadership in Islam and its in its progression. And we were, for the last few days, we were on the subject matter or the last few, we dealing with the subject called communication and we dealt with the various processes of communication. Um, we, we came to what we say in the field of communication, we went to the issue of we, we had to look at developing our listening skills and we went to the extent of looking at that and how we can develop that type of listening skills of ourselves, inshallah. 
It was all about the process of that listening and how we showed that need to be able to interact with the process of that listening. Mel Grant is to be able to see that we actually grow with the listening skills and we develop it to the best of our ways. Now, um, the scholars goes further and, 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 and speaks to us more on the issue of communication. They say to us in the process of communication, there's various ways of communication. And the, the one is in our communication, many a times we need to be able to make decisions on things. We need to be able to make decisions in communication. Now, I probably need to let us understand the issue of decision making is something which Allah has given to the Sultan of a family. Or when you take a group of people and you you do two to three, three and then when you are three and more, then a decision must be made. And that decision making is an issue that needs to happen by the person in charge who is the leader of the group, right? Now, under normal circumstances, we need to understand what happens with decision-making. How do I make a decision? Do I decide for myself? Now, in the world that we are living in today, many of us are just making decisions, exercise some of myself, to the extent that our children today is just making decisions just as they wish and as they feel. Yeah, I make it, I get my best. I, I, I thought I did the best. And the Islam has shown us a process so that decision-making can be the best for people at all times. So if for that matter, somebody must make decision, the decision is given by Allah and His Rasul to the person that needs to be the Sultan of the family. And if that's, that is the father figure, then the father figure by necessity must take the decision. What do I mean by must take the decision? If the situation calls for a decision, then after certain things put it into the place and that we call consultation, after the father figure has consulted with whoever needs to be consulted with, then decision-making comes to be a process of that positive communication. And so the issue of consultation needs to be dealt with slightly more broader as we go along, inshallah. Consultation is meaning the mom cannot make a decision if dad must be part of that. Example, Allah Ta'ala has given the right for the father figure to be the sultan, so he must be able to make the decision. But Allah has given the mother the right if the father figure is not available to be able to take rights in her hand if circumstances in the, is in the absence of the father, total absence. And if I speak about total absence, I refer to the father has traveled overseas and we cannot reach him now and he's not available. It's not in our modern process where we have the, the, the cell phones and no matter where he is in Japan or whether he is in, 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 in uh, Australia or he is in Peru or he's somewhere in, um, in, in the north, uh, in, in, in Europe somewhere. Today we can press the buttons on the phone and like immediately dad can be uh, at hand and we can speak to dad. We can tell him dad this, that and the other. He can be informed and he can be irrespective distant. 
He has the power. The decision that must be made, even though Allah has given that to dad, to, 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 to mom the right in the absence of dad, this absence of the modern day is not absence where he says we do not inform him. He needs to be informed and he needs to be the person to know that he must be able to make the decision and he must be able to either make the decision or he gives the right to mom to be able to make the decision if he is not there. But what if for that matter there is no dad? Dad is completely absent in the sense that Allah has taken him away. And if the children is still youth, small, young, then mum must take the decision under the circumstances and in her decision making she needs to be able to guide her children to understand especially the males of them so that they can become the responsible personality for tomorrow if they are in life to have to take the position of leadership. So if there is in the family a mom whose husband has passed on but she has a son that is and she then needs to nurture him and prepare him to let him understand decision making is your responsibility decision making is your responsibility and she doesn't give it to him and throw it at him she actually realized this is Allah and his Rasul who's put it onto him to make the decision she guides him along she supports him she teaches him she nurtures him and prepares him to become a righteous leader for tomorrow in his own family and in this family where he is now for he is the Sultan of the house right now the dad is not there there is no dad and most probably circumstances is where he is the person that needs to then he needs to make the decision the decision is not her right right do we understand and so for that matter if these brothers and sisters and these no then the eldest of them needs to be prepared first in preparation for that leadership that they need to develop with but so mom should be part of that development mom nurtures them mom is a powerful person in her position she prepares the son to become a man to become responsible decision making is his not hers she guides me says to him the necessity of decision making is you do not make the decision you we, we consult with everybody and i'll show you how to consult is but at the end of that because you need to be able to have a male's perspective of life a male's responsibility a male's broadness to be able to see and look at life you cannot have a superficial process and the, that's why in Islam the rearing of a male is totally different to the rearing of a female not totally different in the sect there's absolute differences in it the responsibility of preparing our sons especially but remember it most most of the time happens through the mom's, mom's preparation and we need to look especially in the life of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum and the, the, life, the life of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa and how Islam has almost created what the world wants to understand a male dominant uh, 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 community it's not the truth it's a male responsible community not a, the male, not a male dominant community it's a male responsible community meaning we 
we nurture the male with more responsibility, more development, more greatness. And the responsibility is not a money responsibility. Yes, it's part of it. It's a responsibility of looking with deep insight and responsibility to understand what happens in the process of our life. Our sons must have a broad perspective, exposure to the reality of what happens. Our sons must have touched every reality painful or uncomfortable or easy or difficult they must have touched the reality of those things in their life so if anything happens they must be prepared to understand so you cannot teach your son to uh, 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 so lightly as if uh, uh, I'm with a, a, a barbecue, a poppy, a sartan, and she, that's not sons, that's the daughters, we nurture them. With sons, we, we put them out in the world. We me- allow them to meet at the difficulty. They must feel the pain of, the, of, of, of coldness. They must know what is heat. They must have loved ease and difficulties they must meet up with challenges they must develop and grow they must have exposure they must live with one with what we call um uh, having to know what life is expected in every spec aspect of life and they cannot be treated like gentle ladies soft males cannot be treated that way now Woman is part of the development of all sons, of all boys, of all the males. And the woman needs to know that they have the responsibility to see that the nurturing, nurturing of my son, he must become a man. Now, that, what makes him a man? Not all the, the money that he's going to have in his pocket. That doesn't make him a man. That will never make him a man. That doesn't give him the sense of responsibility. What makes him a man is having to know what life's expectations is and having to have touched the expectations of life, right? And I've loved that. He hasn't been kept in his home and treated with, with gentle and kindness. He must go out of the, in the world. He must meet up with the, with the circumstances. We cannot say he's a boy. I'm with bangwis on vangal to tagani. No, he must go to the shop and he must know these uncomforts out there, but he also needs to prepare himself. And he must be the person or they, the males, must be prepared or made to be able to defend the family and to defend this community and to defend the society and to defend the ummah. That's the responsibility of the male. They must go out there. The females can, when they wish to, also defend. They can, but they don't have the necessity. The females, the gentle process that Islam has offered to the females, they must be the nurturing persons, nurturing, preparing the child for the future, preparing the mind. But the preparation for that son to be the person, to be a person who is going to make decisions tomorrow, the decision is part of that boy. He needs to know, he needs to make. So he's mentally, he must be big enough to be make a decision. If we treat him softly, if we treat him like a teddy bear, then he's never going to be responsible. He's, he's going to be a, 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 teddy, a teddy boy. He's not going to be a responsible person. Now, we don't prepare our sons to hang onto the, the, uh, the, the, the aprons of mommies. But certain children peep, unfortunately, today, by the type of mummies that we have, they, they actually nurture their sons to only touch, to be, I'm with, I'm with, and mummies, sir, 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 
Het was alles met haar. En hy moet anders soos een sachte koekje, Mami die, Mami die, Mami... That is not the way we treat boys. That's not the way we actually nurture them. That's not the way we need to rear them. They must be coming people in the future at any stage. Make that decision. Now remember, the hadith says, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ra'in. Each and every one of you are a leader. You are leaders. You need to be leaders. It's not a wish. It's not a democratic desire. It's a necessity. It's a fart. It's something that you and I need to, by necessity, work towards. But then the understanding, we need to prepare our sons and our daughters. But the sons have a greater responsibility. And then we repeat, not a financial responsibility. Nay, don't misunderstand. Not a financial responsibility. Our sons have a responsibility of being there in support, in having to be able to care for, to look after, and to understand all the type of things that will happen in life of my children so that I can be ready to guide them. So I must be exposed to all the heat and all the cold, all the positives and all the negatives of life must I be, and I must be guided in my nurturing and I must be directed by my mom and my dad to be able to know that nurturing the process of decision making so that I can make the righteous decision and understand my responsibility and understand what life needs to happen. We see what happens in life today when we speak about the, the issue of critical purposes of making decisions in communication is one of those things that we find happening in society as a means that breaks down our societies today because the person who must make the decision is either not prepared to make the decision or doesn't know how to make the decision and wasn't exposed to that. May Allah protect all of us. My wish and desire is only to be able to say to us, let us recognize where we are and what is happening in our society. Let us go back and see what must be done. How can we bring back that which Allah and His Rasul has given to us and our families? If we can prepare our daughters to be part of decision-making, yes, that is what must happen. That is what must happen. But the necessity of every son that has that, it is not, it's a maybe when it comes to our daughters. It's a fart. It's a fart ain. It's a necessity of every son. They must be nurtured to understand the cold of life and the heat of life. They must be able to understand the ease of life and the challenges and the difficulties. They must be exposed to all that. They must, they must be put out into life to have touched all those things from a very young age, especially that prior to they become mukallaf. So by the time they are mukallaf, they've been given the responsibility to be able to come to decision-making. So um, a, a major part of communication is Communication, I mean, of communication is decision making, and especially if our sons become mukallaf, they must be ready. So, when dad is not there and Allah takes him away and is out of society, then our sons we have reared and nurtured them so that they make the right decisions for this family and for their own families in the future, inshallah.
Amin, inshallah. We are now in our final part of the program, being leadership in Islam and its progression, as well as the final few minutes to our program. So, yeah, I'm not going to be speaking much. I'm going to hand straight over to Sheikh so that we can make the most and reap the benefits of what Sheikh has been mentioning. Sheikh, bismillah. Yasmina, you mentioned that there's a question. Yes, Sheikh, there is a question that uh, came through via our WhatsApp with regards to in the segment being leadership in Islamic progression. And it goes as follows, Sheikh, it says, As-salam, Sheikh, what if the eldest son is living the life of a gay? There is now parent, there is no parents, only daughters. How can he make decisions if it is so? Okay, first and foremost, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. I I want to say to the to the parent, if you don't mind, to the person who asked the question. Um, remember, we are not here in this lesson trying to be able to say who must take the decisions because of circumstances. Um, we are telling, we are looking at what needs to have happened of before. And I'm only wanting to say to our people, let us get to come to understand Islam wants us to work as a unit, united. There must be love, there must be compassion, but there is also the responsibility of nurturing and rearing that should have taken place. And that should have been with the vision of understanding that our children need to become leaders. And should we should have prepared our sons to be men and make of them real men. That men in its true sense where the, 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 the female understands that the man has a greater responsibility and we prepare him for that. Right? And if the son has shown in his weaknesses as a young boy, uh, uh, uncomfortable inclinations and we would have nurtured him and, and, and directed him into having to become a male in its true sense. If for that matter the son is living with uncomforts in the process under now, then yes, as we've said just prior to this, the responsibility of the female is not that she must be making the decision. Mom with the daughters must be able to sit together and see who of the family can they draw in either as an uncle or as a grandfather if the father is not there and the son is not responsible enough. He should have been reared and nurtured and it should have been our responsibility of the family to be able to nurture and rear him like that. And especially if the eldest sisters, the eldest sisters would have helped him to become a man through the fact that their mother has guided them. Now we lack this, these processes in today's society and I, here I am not one to pinpoint fingers and blame and this, that and the other. No, we say this is what should have happened. We come to recognize this should have been in place. Um, in, in one of my experiences, just very, very short and sorry to say this to our community, that um, in my personal experiences, we sit in a situation where we are amongst a, a, a process where there's leaders of the community and the leaders must, are making a decision. And the leader makes a decision and we find our community saying, Yeah, ma, who can There's a whole lot of noise you hear because because we lack the understanding of leadership. If the leader is speaking, we must understand our duty is submission. Remember in the words and guidance of our Prophet wasallam, is if we cannot be true followers, then unfortunately leadership is not possible for us 
in implementation. Ons gaat die kinderechte leaders wie sê. And if our leader is speaking to us, and our leader is giving a command, and we cannot submit to our leader, which Allah has put into position of who the leaders are, and they make the decisions and after having consulted, then you and I cannot say, but, and, and, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says, when your leader says something, your submission is to Allah and his Rasul, when you submit to the leader, if he's not violating the law of Allah. If he's violating the law of Allah, that's something other. But the reality is, we need to see that the development of leadership comes back into the society. It is a major need to be able to see that this ummah can actually develop to come to that level. And without leadership, it's not a dream, it's not a wish, it's not a hope. Leadership is a necessity of us understand that we must make the intention to want to apply it so that it can happen. The future can become more positive. Our ummah can become Muslims in its true sense and the Muslim children of ours can be the future leaders inshallah as to what Allah and His Rasul wants for us and it can then be in submission to the cause so that your children and mine and our families can be those people who's going to follow the Mahdi, who's going to follow Nabi Isa, who's going to go against the issue of Dajjal and the wrongs that he was doing. Otherwise, we open the path for them for negativity. May Allah protect all of us, inshallah. Inshallah. Shukran so, so much for that, Sheikh. Sorry, we've come to the end of this program. Allow us to make a final dua. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim wal Asr inna al insana lafi husr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu as salihat wa tawassaw bil haqqi wa tawassaw bis sabr wa sallallahu ala sayyidina wa mawlana Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin and with that it's now time for me to say my goodbye Shukran so much to everyone who tuned in as well as participated. It was an absolute pleasure once again being in your company. Up until we meet tomorrow again, inshallah, from myself, Yasmina Peters, we bid you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and have a great day further.